We always say seat time is king, so sit on down and listen in to Motorsports Tech Talk with your hosts, Brian and Eric. Eric, how's it going? Uh, it's going pretty all right. How about you? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. Um, another race coming up this weekend. That's uh, that's always uh, always a good thing, Mid-Ohio. Nice. I think we, nice. we talked about that last week. It's a great track, so... Looking forward to that. Car's mostly ready. Just have to a couple odds and ends, and uh, yeah, it's basically set up the same as as last time. So I'm just gonna wing it. <laughs> um, I uh, I saw you got uh, some track time in. Uh, was that last weekend? Yep. Yeah, at uh, at Groton. Yes, sir. That's I did. A, that's a pretty sweet track. Uh. I love the layout. The surface could always be improved. Yeah, yeah, but, definitely could could use a, some resurfacing. Yeah, but they uh, they repaved turn one last year. Um, I think it was last year. So, but they repaved it between now and the last time I was there. So uh, that's pretty nice, actually. That little section, but. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've I've only been there. I've only been there once so far, um, just for a track day. Uh, I know SCCA has some spec me out races there, uh, but I think it'd be it'd be interesting an interesting track to race on. Uh, but but I haven't, I haven't experienced that yet, but it's, it's a pretty interesting course. I mean, it has a jump. It has some crazy kind of off camber corners. It's got, uh, some nice blind corners and, you know, pretty long straight and everything. And then the, uh, the cherry on top is you can't leave the track if the track's hot. So <laughs> there's no bridge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that is a, uh, something. I guess. <laughs> yeah, the entire paddock is inside the track. Um, so yeah, you have, yep. you have to cross, start, finish, parallel to the to the line. Get on. Yeah, yep. yep. Yeah, it's. I, I remember because I think they had like a twenty four hour race there or something, right? I, I remember you guys were you and a, and some buddies were thinking of doing it or did it or I forget exactly what happened there. Yeah, so um, they uh, they canceled it. But they were going to, Groton was going to have their first um, endurance race there last year. Um, and it was going to be uh, like a seven and a seven, I think, or something like that. But so it was two days. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's really out. Uh, but they canceled it because COVID. And I actually sent them a message earlier this year and they said they are not doing it this year. So that's a unfortunate thing just dead yeah yeah because it'd, be, it'd be interesting because i'm sure they would have to have mandatory caution periods i think that was in the rules something in order for people to be able to leave the track to get fuel or or food or anything nope it's a commitment think, you and your team you're in <laughs> seven hours and go yeah i think it would be better if they yeah you weren't allowed out it's, it's part of the endurance <laughs> Yeah, man. So this is a team effort. Everybody's got to endure. 
It'd be hilarious. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, I mean, but there was last weekend. There was some uh, some other racing that happened. Um, I was I was planning. Well, we were planning originally to do some kind of pre champ car uh, championship coverage, but we kind of I guess it kind of fell off the radar a little bit. But it kind of and kind of snuck up on us. But uh, we we followed the event and. Uh, you know, Champ Carts, it's great for racing. It's also great for drama. I think it's definitely one of its... I mean, all racing is... There's a lot of drama in racing. I mean, there was some F1 drama that we'll talk about uh, later as well. But, um, yeah, there was some uh, quite a big drama uh, this year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we, we thought we'd uh, get into that. Yeah. Um, what happened? Yeah, so um, uh, the Tuttle Motorsports team won both days with, I believe, the 108 car. Um, the first day, I believe, there were several protests, um, one of which, uh, one of which was their kind of cardboard. Well, they said cardboard tunnel cover, but I think it was made out of like alumalite or whatever, which is what you know grid life people and everything used to make splitters mm-hmm. um so n- not the and it's not cheap by any means it, it might have been like cheaper sign material might have not specifically been alumalite but it's like like corrugated plastic signboard material um and they use that to make some tunnel covers um you know it's i know the the visceral racing group team which i think they also finished they, they had a new car there that I think finished on the podium, maybe both races. Let me see. Uh, yeah, looks like the 959, I guess, with finished, uh, pre-adjusted results, finished third both days. Uh, they they used duct tape to make a tunnel cover on their 944, which they chopped the roof off of. Um, and I guess that's considered okay because it's duct tape, and duct tape's kind of, I don't know, a gray area where it's unlimited use or, or Gorilla Tape or whatever your favorite brand of tape is. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know with the GWR car, we we there was a rule change where you had to use the very specific bumper to your year or something. They were using a, I forget, they were using a different year bumper uh, or maybe... No, they just had a, a, a plastic air dam, and then they changed the rules to make it 10 points for a splitter and 10 points for the air dam. So instead, they found the basically the 325 IS bumper goes is the lowest, so it complements the, the splitter the best. Mm-hmm. But of course, and the car was a 325 IS, but they threw away the original bumper, which apparently is very worth a lot <laughs> so <they laughs> nice kind of dropped the ball there so they ended up getting a fiberglass version of it like a remake you know some cruddy aftermarket fiberglass one and mm-hmm. it was like breaking it was already broken in shipping basically it was so brittle yeah. and so we basically just covered the whole thing in tape and then kind of made the rest of the air dam out of tape and you know it, it was met the rules so <laughs> it, it's not like that there's a lot of teams out there using tape for a lot of things. Um, I think Visceral is racing group is the biggest. I don't want to say offenders, but they're they're definitely huge fans of, of the tape. I think they whole sawed the crap out of their hood and then just taped over it. 
in order to make it lighter, all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, lightness is very important, but I don't know. I feel like... So is structure. Structure can be important too. And like under arrow loads, I imagine everything deforms and maybe makes kind of terrible shapes. So I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's a debate we could have another day. Arrow part three is duct tape making you faster or <laughs> something like that. I no. don't know. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, uh, so that was like the first thing. They they basically had to remove the, those those covers or take the points, so they removed them for the second day. I, I think they went faster the second day, so it didn't really seem to matter, like most homemade arrow. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, uh, there was a, there was also some protests on some of their engine components. So I, I believe they're claiming um, they're claiming uh, cams. Yes. Uh, and then part of that, apparently, because of the cams they were using, they had to use VQ thirty five valve covers, um, and also VQ thirty five coils because they used the VQ thirty five. Uh, valve covers so i guess you know let me i guess let me kind of roll it back and talk a little more about these cars specifically so the 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 Tuttle cars are i'm not sure exactly what year i can look it up i think they're they're eclipse convertibles so second gen dsm one of my favorite cars i have i have two of them yep um they picked the the convertible turbo version of them which is probably the I don't know the the one I'd picked last for road racing. I'd probably I'd probably pick the front wheel drive non convertible one, the coupe, uh, all wheel drive one. As we talked about in last week episode, as a viscous coupling, limit slips, and uh, those so, those aren't too too good for for that. And all wheel drive really isn't needed when you only have two hundred horsepower, right? Uh, in champ car trim. Uh, maybe maybe you could run you know you could run a little more boost and stuff but the little side mount intercooler on those isn't really up for that task uh, in a road racing scenario but um yeah they they run they're shown as 95 1995 eclipses i see they cuz they run two cars they had three cars at one point i remember seeing uh, i think they they actually built a a coupe all wheel drive um at some point, um, I remember seeing it Sebring maybe uh, two years or I guess a year and a half ago. But um, but anyway, they mainly run the two ninety five Eclipse convertibles um, with a VQ thirty swapped in, as well as I think the matching Nissan transmission. I'm not a hundred percent on that, but that's my understanding on those setups. So I, he, I think he originally ran the turbo engines, the, the 463 and had trouble keeping them together for an endurance race, which isn't super surprising. They, they like can just be very, <laughs> they can be tough to keep together without, you know, without proper maintenance and everything just, uh, and then you throw in road racing and even then it's, there's just a, a lot of heat. A lot of uh, the the biggest problem I've seen is that just people heat soak the intercoolers and then get detonation and then it blows up. So it's just uh, it's a tough, definitely a tough platform to run in Champ Car. Uh, but for whatever reason, they decided to run them. And then when they found that the engine didn't seem to be the best choice for them, they swapped to VQ30. Um, 
So these cards have VQ30s in them. I guess some more history is that at some point, I think it was Sebring two and a half years ago or so. So like 20, maybe 2018, 2019 Sebring. Uh, maybe it's 2018 maybe. Uh, they were DQ'd where they didn't get the chance to DQ them because they, they left before, you know, they basically didn't go to impound. Um, but they had swapped in VQ35s and put on VQ30 valve covers in order to try to make it look not like a VQ35. Um, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> someone noticed that it had the all the bulges and stuff in the front cover for the variable valve timing and everything that just like a VQ35. And, um, yeah, they were ready to protest them right when they rolled into uh, impound because I, I don't. I can't remember if they won the race, but they at least got on the podium. Yeah. And uh, I, I thought they had an issue near the end. Like they, right? Uh, like they were doing I mean, really well, but they didn't. I think one of the cars had an issue. One of the cars was going to finish either second or first. And I think someone came up to them and said, you will be protested at the end of this race. So they just put it right into the trailer I guess to avoid the I don't know the failing a protest I guess or or maybe just pack it up early because why sit in impound for thirty minutes knowing you're going to get DQ'd when you could just pack it up but yeah for whatever reason um you know they very obviously were were cheating uh Tuttle tried uh Brian Tuttle the owner of the team he. His argument was uh, they accidentally put their WRL uh, engines in the cars, or at least one of the cars for that that event. Um, you know, I guess they must have accidentally also put VQ. Maybe they put the VQ30 valve cover on it accidentally, and then the guy in the shop looked at it and be like, "Oh, look, it says 3,000 on top of it. This must be the VQ30." And then they put that in the car. Um, you know, happens to everyone. Yeah. Um, but that's that's what he that's what he uh, argued and um yeah I don't know I think in a in a in a later like a kind of almost uh uh kind of team owner interview I remember Will was was on that little panel they they talked to some people I think during one of the board meetings or maybe the I, I can't remember but there were a couple of team owners there and they were just doing like a a fireside chat except it was in a, a conference room or whatever and uh everyone was just kind of talking i remember tuttle saying like oh if you're not you know pushing the rules and getting caught cheating then you're not trying and you know i think that kind of just it just kind of goes to show that he's kind of willing to push the limits to the to the edge you know i don't know about that part um yeah so yeah every race team exploits the rules as best they can now uh, I'm saying this because that's generally what that phrase means, right? If you're not cheating, you're not trying. Mm-hmm. I'm not referring to doing something silly like claiming you put the wrong valve cover on an engine and threw that in the wrong car on accident. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I feel like that's the you're not, if you're not cheating, you're not trying is a very race attitude in general. So I'm not sure I'd yeah. shame him for that, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely pushing the rules to their limit 
think is is very uh it's very common in racing and you know and you see it in f1 you see it in amateur racing you see it everywhere and and yeah no, i think it's it's definitely good to to push the rules as far as you can look at the wording and see what you can try to get away with outside of just blatant cheating um in this case i mean it's it's claiming one engine yes. <laughs> it was claiming one engine when it was another one so that's that's not really pushing the rules that's just more on the blatant cheating side of things but um but you know he 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 rectified it by you know putting the correct engines in it and then uh, there wasn't really much drama surrounding those cars for a while they they do a lot of races they come to a lot of events they bring a couple cars and so i mean you know we always everyone's always looking for bigger car counts and everything and i don't really feel the need to hold super big vendettas it's just more keep an eye out on them you know if they cheated once and make sure they keep them honest the next time have a little more scrutiny uh so i don't think it was unreasonable to then have kind of a bit more scrutiny at this event um so i guess a little more background on the 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 way champ cars championship works out is uh basically throughout the season uh you take your two top finishes and then that combines uh, for your, I believe it's your two top finishes. And I think you need five races to qualify. Basically, you need to do five races. So that could be two doubles or, you know, six, six, that could be six race week ones where there's two races per, per event, uh, per weekend. Uh, and then you have to, then you take your two top finishes and add them together. And that gives you your kind of your, you know, the lowest score wins kind of golf style uh, uh, qualification for the championship. So there's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of teams that are tied at two points. Uh, and then, and then from there, the tiebreaker is the number of events, events you've done. So, um, so yeah, that, 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 that solves the kind of qualifying order. Uh, and then the actual championship itself is, uh, I believe combines those. They might've, I can't remember if they changed it to winner take all this year. Um, Actually, let me look that up while I'm while we're talking about it. But uh, it's either this year or last or next year. Uh, it's it's now winner take all. I think it's winner take all now. Um, but uh, but basically by by that, so basically qualifying really just sets the grid, which you know in an endurance race isn't super important. Um, but of course, you have to qualify for the championship as well. Um, but then finally, the the actual championship, I believe, is winner take all. So it's, um, uh, let's see, one point per finishing position will be awarded to all comp- competing teams. For example, one point for first, second, two points for second, etc. Points will be calculated based on the top two finishes for each team. All other finishes will be dropped. Championship is a winner-take-all event. Win the race to win the championship. So there's there's two races. So um, I believe it's it's basically the the whoever you know if you win if you won both days and obviously you're going to take the championship. If you won day one and got second day two, and then another team got second on day one and first on day two, 
Um, I think then it comes down to your your kind of qualification points or uh, I don't know exactly how they break the tiebreaker, but but ultimately it's it comes down to just whoever finishes the best on that weekend. So um, so at you know Tuttle won the the one away car won the first day and then also won the second day. Um, yeah, the second day they corrected the, the, some of the discrepancies. It sounds like the, the protest that involved the valve covers and coils was not accepted. Um, yeah. I mean, that's one of those things where it's, it's more, what is, what are these valve covers and coils enabling them to do? Not exactly like, oh, those valve covers, they're plastic and they're not aluminum. They must be, you know, they're 80 grams lighter. That's, that's a huge advantage. Or, or, or like, oh, those, no. those coils are, you know. But in, in one of his posts, um, I mean, since the event, so this might be uh, past what you're talking about, or is, you know, based off a chronological timeline, uh, Tuttle does just flat out spell out, you know, um, that's for running more advanced timing. So. But yeah. he says he does that. It's not like a... Um, super secret you know yeah yeah so you know maybe when running race gas and uh upgraded cams and all this stuff he needs more powerful coils to get proper burn and all that stuff or just they needed to run the cams they run they needed to run those valve covers so uh, and those coil packs are designed for those valve covers so that's just what they they decided to run yeah, but I, actually, by the letter actually hmm? I, I just want to flag this real quick um just because it's confusing to me uh mm-hmm. i've seen both on on online right from everybody bickering uh i've seen the comment that you need those um coils with that valve cover right um mm-hmm. but then i also saw the argument that they're all interchangeable and that's why the protest wasn't accepted the first day is because the coils are interchangeable. Um, so it doesn't matter. So I guess what I'm saying is I've seen, mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell the real answer is, but I've seen both. So it's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, and again, yeah, it's just, it's it, it can be splitting hairs, but the, the rules are the rules. If you're if you're running unclaimed parts, you're supposed to take points for them. There's a very specific rule, uh, you know, points value assigned to aftermarket or non OE coils. Um, you know, you could start trying to argue that oh, it, it's still from the original equipment manufacturer. It's just for a different engine. But you know, since they're if they are interchangeable, then and I don't know, it, it starts to become a, maybe a gray area, but it's also just uh, potentially just not not really a performance advantage in this case. But, um, but you know, it's in the rules, and the rules are, are, are there for a reason. So, you know, I, with an engine swap, it also starts to get kind of muddy because, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're swapping in an engine too, so that's not the OE engine, and that's where it can get really tricky really fast. So... Ultimately, that pro- protest wasn't upheld. Um, I'd put that under the category of things that like are definitely not according to the rules. But all they need to do is just go out. If they are, if they are interchangeable, just go to the parts store, buy 
some OE VQ30 coils, put them on there and, you know, show that it's obviously no advantage and that they fit right on and right. And then either either get a kind of a waiver to run those VQ35 coils or just or just run the VQ30 knowing that they're they're not a, you know, not a detriment to that specific setup. So you know, that's you know, there there could have been because the thing the thing about protests and really any motorsport is that you kind of you need to find something it's you know protests are always a very political thing and you have to kind of find something that you think will stick maybe there's more than one thing that you think is is protestable in the car or you suspect something but usually you kind of have to grasp on to something you can physically see and like maybe prove pretty easily um so I could see I could see that being the thing they they kind of they they gravitated towards the kind of that tunnel cover that wasn't being claimed as points in those coils, but um, ultimately the they they removed the tunnel cover and then they were given the okay on the coils and the valve covers. So um, so yeah, they they the the race was made official for Saturday in Tuttle One. Um, you know, giving them a pretty big advantage for the the championship. They were they were definitely leading it going in. Uh, with and then there was our bank racing was in second, and uh, I believe Cone Crushers is was third as far as uh, championship contenders. Um, so trying to set the stage for the second day, um, where uh, Tuttle Motorsports was able to win again. Uh, this time by a much smaller margin, only 50 seconds. Um, the first day was about eh, almost three laps, just short of three laps. Um, so uh, a lot closer, day two. Uh, so Tuttle, Tuttle one day two uh, with, uh, let's see here, uh, with premium dudes in their, K swapped BMW E30 in second, and then uh, Art Bank Racing in third, uh, and then the other Tuttle Motorsports car, the 107 car, got fourth. Uh, as far as championship contenders, the the Visceral Racing Group uh, new car was in there uh, third both days, but they weren't a contender since it's a new build. So um, their their other car was there, but didn't finish as well. But um, but yeah, so you know. Tuttle wins again, go to impound. Uh, apparently uh, the first day was like an hour and a half. And I think the second day was another really long impound, which, you know, it's, that can be frustrating as a competitor, but, uh, especially when it's a championship race, I think there definitely should be some more scrutiny there. Um, so the, the kind of the main protest that was filed on Sunday was for fuel capacity. Um, one of, I think several competitors had noticed them putting in, uh, a four full jugs. I think in one, one case, someone mentioned like a, a small amount of a fifth jug during a refuel stop. And, um, you know, they're using Hunsaker jugs and a lot of times you, they can very easily hold five gallons. You can easily push them, push them to five and a half. Um, and they're, you know, they'll still have some kind of extra capacity up top still. So, you know, it, depending on, you know, how full they were. I mean, you know, maybe they only fill their jugs up to four gallons 
and they were, you know, they were only putting in 16 gallons or whatever. Like, you know, that could be the case, but so it's not definitive, definitive proof that they, they were over capacity on their fuel system. Um, but it definitely raises some flags because it, you know, it could be that they're putting five and a half gallons in there and people using Hunsaker jugs can probably look at the fuel level and kind of get an idea by it based on when they go to the fuel pump at the gas station, how much they fill it up to and where the level is like it, they should be pretty consistent through the different jugs. Um, so, you know, th- I'm sure the people who saw had an idea of how much was in those jugs when they went to fill it. Um, so based on that, it looked like maybe it could be over 20 gallons, uh, which for that car, um, again, this was another point of contention, exactly what the capacity should be for those cars. Um, uh, I think ultimately 15.9 was used. 16.9. Or no, 16, 16.9. 15.9. I, I, I should know this as a DSM guy. I, I think the difference is front-wheel drive to all-wheel drive. Uh, there's a, since you have that drive shaft and everything going through, the, the, the saddle tank's a little bit uh, smaller, I believe, on the all-wheel drive. So that's that's my guess it could also be a convertible thing um but that's something i would have to look into more uh, to you know fuel capacity isn't something i really ever looked up on the dsms but mm-hmm. knowing knowing that there's the convertible the all-wheel drive the turbo non-turbo it could it could be a difference between kind of my guess is either convertible and non-convertible or between all-wheel drive and non-all-wheel drive but since these were front-wheel drive um, I could see it being the larger capacity for that year, but I'm not a hundred percent sure, but ultimately the larger was used since you could fit that tank supposedly, uh, to all the DSMs. I, I, my guess is you can't, but most likely the bigger tank was fitted to the, the cars they had is from based on what I've you know seen on the underbody of those cars from sitting under mine instead of driving it most of the time. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Anyway, so 16.9 was the quoted spec. Um, in Champ Car, you're allowed to go plus two gallons over uh, when you add a fuel cell, which is what they did. Um, the thing is that that mainly the plus two is mainly put in there to allow kind of more standard sized fuel cells to be added. Because uh, a lot of times fuel cells come in, you know, it's like 18, 22, 25, or 26 gallon sizes. So you know, if your fuel capacity is specifically, you know, 16.9, that's kind of a weird size, then you could just get the 18 gallon and, and you'd be okay by the rules. But, but of course I, I imagine wanting to get every last gallon out of the car because, you know, it can definitely be an advantage, especially in, uh, in champ cars rules, which we'll, we'll talk about a little bit in a second here. But, um, uh, most likely they picked the larger, either 20 or 22 gallon, and then used uh, disp- either displacement blocks or those little uh, plastic balls in order to uh, reduce the capacity down to the, the rule limit. Um, so, uh, but, um, so I believe the, the before the protest was kind of accepted, they, they did take a measuring tape to the fuel cell to see theoretically how big it could be and it was I, I think it, you know it could have been the 22 gallon just based on the outside dimension so it wasn't like just going into it blind people see them put too many jugs in that kind of thing it was you know they did everything they could to to try to 
vet the process before doing an actual fuel pump out and then fill. Um, okay, so you're saying they measured it at impound, yeah? Yeah, is my understanding. Okay. So the the base size of the fuel cell could have been bigger than you know what it was allowed in the rules. So that so now it's more the protest is more testing whether or not they actually have those displacement balls or blocks in there um, or the right amount. And, uh, and so ultimately they, they did do a fuel pump out and then filled and did a volume check. And I believe the result was 20.5 gallons, uh, which was 1.6 above the, you know, rules allowed maximum. And one thing to note that this was with the filler neck removed and everything. So this was just testing the fuel cell capacity because in champ car, you can have a half gallon surge tank, which you don't really fill. Like, I think that's one thing people get confused about when, like, if you're doing a pump out, uh, I guess it depends on where you're pumping it out from. If you're using like an external pump or something there, that's one thing. But I guess if you're, if you're pumping, if you're doing a pump out, um, with the actual fuel pump and then just taking a line off maybe from the fuel rail or something and emptying that into a, a jug. Um, once that empties and you go to refill the tank, you're not going to refill that surge tank until you turn on your lift pumps, basically that, that fill that surge tank. So, you know, always claiming that as an extra half gallon, like it definitely effectively is a half gallon. I'd say when you first fill the car, but if you were to completely empty that, unless you turn on your fuel pump, which would require you to basically, you know, remove all the fuel jugs from the pit lane area, put them over the wall, close the fuel cap, and then turn the car on, cl- turn it back off, well, and then come back out and top it off. I mean, you're not really using if that. If you're being rule wise, right? But the driver's allowed to stay in the car right now for fueling, right? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. That's an update. Yeah. So theoretically. Yeah, I mean the car's supposed to be off, but you could have a secondary power source, a little nine volt, but well, put a couple of them together, right? Twelve volt. It's, you know where mm-hmm. I'm going. You just get a little battery pack. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, the driver could actually turn that on without turning on the rest of the car. Right. So I guess what I'm getting yeah. at is it's, or... it would be actually it would be easy to do this. Um it's just what I'm saying. Yes. Like it's not, I'm not saying it's okay with the rules, you know, or I'm not telling anyone to do it, but it, <laughs> um, with everything we've seen in Trump car, it wouldn't be surprising if we saw someone doing that. Right. I guess. Yeah, no, I, I agree. <laughs> the, the real advantage of the surge tank isn't that extra half gallon capacity you can get from it. It's more, being actually able to use your full fuel capacity from your tank. Um, so I think people talk too much about that half gallon, but you know, I guess you can factor it into the system if you were calculating or, or trying to measure the total system capacity, it, it would be included there, but in just a normal like drain and pump out situation or, you know, drain and fill of the fuel cell situation, it's not really included. Um, as well as like any fuel lines or anything wouldn't really be included there. Uh, in this case, they were just testing the capacity of the fuel cell and it was 1.6 gallons over allegedly. I mean, I, we weren't there uh, this is all based on, you know, secondhand accounts. Mm. Um, 
but it's been relatively well documented at this point <laughs> on various forms of uh, media, whether it's Facebook, Champ Car forums, you know, whichever. So we're just going off of what we've heard so far, basically. Yep. Um, but um, yeah, so they were found to have 1.6, which, you know, the next thing people started arguing was, oh, well, that's not really that big of an advantage. But uh, in Champ Car, uh, driver stints are limited to two hours. Um, and so basically that means if you can go two hours in your car, especially in an eight-hour race, uh, which was the, the race length for the Saturday race, it was seven hours on day two, um, you know, if you can go two hours, uh, that's because it would be kind of dumb to come in at an hour and a half, refuel, not do a driver change, and then go back out and then have to come back in a half hour. Right. I mean, otherwise, I mean, what most students are do that can't make two hours is you just come in, you know, before two hours and do your driver change and your fueling. Yeah, I guess really the big thing is that it's uh, it's a huge advantage um, or the extra capacity is a huge advantage if you can't go two hours. If you can yes. go more than two hours, if you, if your car came with a super tank, right? Uh, you, you could hold 60 gallons. It wouldn't matter, right? Any extra yeah. capacity because you're still limited to those two hours and you're trying to minimize pit stops. But, mm -hmm. um, yeah, if you're, if you're anywhere below that, then anything else you can get, you know, is, is big. And I guess this will obviously depend on the car and the tune, but generally it's, uh, yeah. And obviously where you are, but it would, it's probably a couple liters per lap, right? So mm -hmm. 1.6 gallons is two to three more laps per tank, which is huge. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. And it, yeah, I've seen people quote, you know, six to eight gallons, six to maybe nine gallons an hour. Mm-hmm. So if, if they're on the lighter side, uh, that could be you know, an extra 10 minutes, right? Uh, extra 10 minutes on track, which again, yeah, if you, since the, the minimum pit stop times five minutes, that's, that's going to save you two, three laps. Um, and then, you know, that could just be the little bit you need to, to make that two hours or, or maybe in the seven hour race, make, if you're making a ton of power, <laughs> Uh, be able to make an you know, hour and 35 hour and 40 in order to do that in, in just three stops. So, right. Well, and you know, if the team's playing their cards, right. And they have radios so they can communicate, um, any extra time you can gain, uh, up front. Um, and you know, this is buffer you can use for a pit stop later. Um, so, Really, I guess what I'm saying is the further down you push your pit stop, right? So you get 10 more minutes now, and then you get 10 more minutes next time you pit, and you get 10 more minutes the next time. Now you have 30 more minutes than you would have had in the beginning of the race, right? Um, mm -hmm. So that gives you buffer to potentially catch yellow flags, right? Yes, um, yes, yes, And yes. that's... That's where this can be huge too. I mean, obviously this can be huge if it just makes you go two hours when it couldn't, but that, that's another big portion of, of, you know, winning an endurance race is that strategy and being able to catch those yellows. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I know. That's a really good point. So, uh, so yeah, it's definitely more than anything we've discussed so far, the coils or the tunnel covers or anything. I think this is actually definitely the, the biggest advantage mm-hmm. of those things. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I mean, ultimately the, the rule says specifically for fuel cell capacity, it can only be plus two. Uh, they were plus, you know, 3.6 <laughs> on stock capacity. So, you know, I don't think there's really much arguing there that, uh, I guess the only thing you could argue is the method. If they, if I don't know how accurately they were measuring, if it was just using the the markings on the jugs or yeah. anything like that, or from the picture, I saw some pictures and it looks like they were just looking at the markings on the jugs. Um, that being said, when you're one point six gallons over, it's not like you're <laughs> you're gonna miss that. That's <laughs> still, yeah, it's still a lot. And but, and again, like. Did did they pump out every last drop from the from the cell before they filled it? And you know, did they fill it to the very tippity top? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's it's just yeah. There's definitely room to try to argue or protest the actual method. I wasn't there. Um, you know, that's why if I was a team owner in that case, I would definitely be watching it very specifically and very cautiously and just making sure everything's done accurately. But um, but assuming it was at least within a half gallon tolerance, you know, it's still at least a gallon. Yeah, plus or minus a half a know. gallon is one <laughs> gallon difference. Yeah, I mean, if I can uh, regale you with a story, right? Um, as, as you know, and as if anybody's a habitual listener, they would know. Uh, I worked for a race team, right? So, um, pointing out some of the differences between a pro series and jump car, um, and then going through the process of, of what happens. Um, I guess I'd like to, to start with just a visual difference. And again, as you've already said, this is, we've only read things online. Neither of us were there and I was looking at pictures of, you know, impound. Um, that being said, champ car is trying to, you know, make their image more professional. So I think this would be a helpful note. Um, first off, uh, if you're doing a pump out, no one was in fire safety gear. Uh, personally, I hate wearing it, right? It sucks. Um, Mm -hmm. we went to impound for a fuel capacity issue on one of our races and I was there for probably five hours in hot California day. It sucks. I know it sucks. Uh, but (laughs) you know, if you're always preaching this on pit road, um, it should be pretty consistent, you know, if you're playing with fuel. Uh, so just, just a note there. And then, um, as I already mentioned to you, it looked like they were looking at, just the Huntsickers. They, they pumped out into the Huntsickers. Um, IMSA uses a Seraphin and graduated cylinders. Now, obviously, this isn't necessary if you're off by 1.6 gallons. Um, but we all remember 
uh, well, it was a couple years ago um, when, you know, uh, uh, what's their name's car was disqualified. The the Keating Motorsport 4 GT. Yep. For a couple hundred milliliters. Um, you know, you need you need nice equipment like this. So if you're trying to be a nice organization, maybe look at that. Um, or just determine what your uh, members care about, right? Like, I don't think anybody in the Champ Car Paddock would care if someone else was 200 milliliters over, right? So if nobody cares, maybe you mm. don't need fancy measuring equipment. But uh, how much do they care about? 500 milliliters, maybe. That's half a liter. That's decent, you know, uh, depending on how long the race is. That's, you know, and how long you can go. I don't know, three more liters over the course of the whole race. But, um, you know, the measurement, their their method of measurement looked a little silly to me. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, something I want to verify with you, the, the plus two gallons, that's, um, I mean, you already described what they want out of the rule, but the way it's written, that's just on the fuel cell size, right? That doesn't include... Yes. Uh, like the filler neck and anything else, right? Correct. Okay. So, um, yeah, I guess the problem I I would have with that, um, I understand it's meant to be a buffer, but I would try, I wouldn't personally, if I was you know, a little dictator writing all the rules, I would have that um, in the rule set of, of or in the whole fuel system you have two gallon buffer, you know? Um, because mm-hmm. the, the way IMSA will do it is this is your capacity, right? That, that comes out with BOP. Um, and this the SRO does the same thing, you know, which is Blanc Pond, they bought Pearly World Challenge, to, um, but whatever. They, they say you're allowed to have 70 liters. And in the rules, they spell out how they do a pump out, right? So it's going to be using your lift pumps, your main pump, going to the fuel rail, and all the cars have a takeoff on the fuel rail or right around there, right? A T right in that area. Um, so they spell out how they're going to measure it, and it's the team's job to reach that, um, which I think is more than fair, especially in a series where everybody's building their own car, right? So then mm-hmm. anybody who's concerned about misuse of a surge tank or getting extra capacity out of one, um, you know, lots of times people complain about trying to keep the price low. So, you know, if you're concerned about you know, some rich guy getting an extra half a liter or half a gallon, excuse me, um, you know, or using bigger hose, right? I know they've limit the size of the fuel hose you can have or use. Um, they don't want you coiling it around mm-hmm. specifically for things like this, but you can encompass the whole fuel system. If you just say, Hey, all right, this is your capacity. If you put in a fuel cell, this is the max you're allowed to have at a pump out. I don't give a shit. So if it's in the filler neck, we're measuring it. Uh, you know, if it's in your lines, we're measuring it. You know, they just, if you just spell out how you're going to do the pump out, there's no room for this ambiguity. Um, 
Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think it tightens the rules up a little bit more. Um, and let's, you know, it, it still gives everyone that buffer. So it's um, my personal thoughts on that. But um, yeah, I, yeah, I think I, yeah, I think I agree with that. If you spell it, spell it out in a very easily enforced way, that's definitely yes. a big improvement. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause, cause right now there, there actually are some, uh, a lot of holes, I think, in that fuel capacity rule. Because there's nothing to say that your OEM tank can't be more than two gallons over the, the rated capacity. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I've seen on some cars, I mean, so there there was a, a ballooning uh, controversy a little while back where people were compressing, putting, you know, using compressed air to kind of balloon their tank a little bit, get a little extra capacity out of it. Um, but without even doing that, taking a stock tank, I, I haven't measured them before, but usually the rated capacity is, has some basically void space in it in order to prevent, you know, allow some, you know, fuel vapors to, uh, you know, to accumulate in that area. And ultimately it's, it's all a function of like the emission systems and the charcoal cancer and all that stuff. But there's some void space there, probably also from a safety standpoint, I'm not a hundred percent on that, but. Uh, just so that it's not like a compressed liquid tank that with no room, and as soon as anything hits it, it just explodes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's some you know compressible gas in there that that gives it some buffer. Um. Uh, but um. But uh, in the rules, you're allowed to modify the venting system on the tank, and which means that a lot of times you can make it so that you can basically fill that tank to to the very tippity top and use all of its kind of volume capacity, uh, which may be over the fuel capacity of the tank. Um, so right now there's, there's really nothing in the rules preventing someone from do, doing that. So in that case, if you're looking for more capacity, a lot of times, maybe not a lot, but in some cases you can get more from just keeping your stock tank mm-hmm. uh, instead of doing it, trying to do a fuel cell that's two gallons over. So, so that's, that's kind of one area of the rules that there's kind of a hole right now um and then yeah on on top of that there's nothing really saying that uh you know if if their fuel cell capacity was exactly two gallons over and then yeah they had a really long huge filler neck i mean you know the filler neck size is 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 determined by the rules it can't be over three inches um and there is a rule in there that says it needs to go directly from you know termination points in a you know direct manner it can't be like coiled up or anything like that um, but just looking at that rule and you know knowing that you can fudge things around like it's the rule specifically says the the termination points mm-hmm. um what's to stop you from making those termination points like say oh i'm i'm, I'm gonna put my uh fill point on the opposite you know, side yeah all the way on this opposite side i'm gonna buy a fuel cell that has the filler neck on this side yep. you know oh well, I'm making a direct, you know, connection line of sight to that point, but you know, because I moved it all the way over here, then you know, now my filler neck's, you know, four feet long. Mm-hmm. So there's really nothing stopping that based on the current r- r- wording of the rules. Um, you know, there's there's the spirit of the rules and there's the wording. You know, people can start to argue, but when it comes time to actually give people disqualifications, I think the the rules need to you need to really be violating kind of the letter of the rule i feel like for that to be justified or at least to avoid a lot of controversy right. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I understand the spirit of the rules, but I don't think um, they're that enforceable, you know? Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I agree that I think your, your idea of, I mean, it's not even really your no. idea. It's just using other people's ideas yeah. <laughs> that have done it before other race series uh, where, yeah, you have a very, you specify, okay, this is where we're going to pump your car out. You know, so please have this fitting installed in, in relatively, you know, roughly this location. And, you know, when the time comes, we will fill your system and then we will pump out every last drop and weigh it. And, you know, that's your, you know, that's the amount of fuel that you used mm -hmm. or your, your system's capacity is. So, yeah, I think, I think that would be a good change to do. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, they, they would create a little more work for people to do, but you know, people are already doing a ton of work to add arrow and engine mods and all this stuff. And what's another, a little bit of time to add a, 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 you know, one of those, those fittings that are relatively available because other series, uh, will use them to take fuel samples or, or other cases, you know, add, add a little T in there. Sure. Uh, yeah. I mean, you, you wouldn't even really need to use a fancy race one. You know, they could specify a fucking T handle valve just in line with your, yep. you know, it <laughs> um, doesn't need to be crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, I think it would be a good improvement there uh, since, you know, since especially in champ cars rule set, it's fuel capacity is very cherished. Um, I mean, honestly, Fuel capacity and fuel economy are the biggest um, players in terms of strategy for uh, endurance racing, you know. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, you especially see it in things where the cars are supposed to be close, so where they're bopped, you know. Um, I mean, strategy is what's always, excuse me, um, coming out when you watch a GTD race you'll see fuel strategy help out teams a lot. Uh, I mean, Corvettes have won quite a few races just on strategy, right? Um, and that's, mm -hmm. that's fueling strategy and giving yourself that buffer I mentioned to catch a yellow. Um, and so where the cars are very close, I think that, that makes a big difference. And, um, you know, here... I think it makes a huge difference. Um, maybe not quite as much as it does in the other series, just because you have a minimum uh, pit stop time if you take fuel. Um, so it should be making everyone sort of hedge their strategy on the same end. Um, and there's going to be a minimum time. Uh, so you're not going to get a huge benefit from... Uh, you know, maybe being able to do a quick stop. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like taking a little splash of fuel or whatever. Um, but I think it's still huge, you know. Um, I mean, yeah, when, when you have a car that wins, you said the total won by 50 seconds the, the last day? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so... I mean that there really is one yellow, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Yeah. So. Yeah, and winning by three laps the first day. If now I'm not sure if they were able to go two hours, um, but you know if it if it allowed them to not have to do you know five stops instead of four, or four stops instead of three, or mm-hmm. you know three instead of four, or four instead of five. Like if they saved a full stop, that could have been the difference there too. Uh, although Road America being a pretty long track, I think you'd only really lose around two laps, a little over two laps. So, um, but yeah, it it would make it a lot closer. But it's also got one of the longest pit roads, does is, doesn't it? Like besides, it does. Yeah. It does. So that's um, assuming you're following pit speed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, trimming those down is is a huge advantage at Road America. Yeah. So. So yeah, I mean, um, but also, I mean, just to make sure we're covering kind of both sides. So, uh, the Tuttle team, uh, so what they talked about was, uh, and there's a couple different things that came out. Uh, one thing was that the displacement balls that they were using, uh, maybe one or more, they were saying might've rubbed a hole through. And so now basically you're, you'll be able to fill that ball up. So it, it, it still allows to use that capacity yeah and that and here's actually another good point or a place to point out uh why i don't like the spirit of the rules um and i'm not saying i don't enjoy the spirit of the rules i'm saying using that as an argument right um Mm -hmm. is because you know if they if that did happen um that ball or those blocks whatever they used wouldn't be able to fill that quickly. So they wouldn't actually get the benefit of it in a live pit stop during a race, right? So if you are concerned mm-hmm. about the spirit and the rules, and then this comes out, well, you, you should let it go, right? It's They were within the spirit of the rules, and they didn't get to take advantage of that cheat, so you should let it go. But... Um, you know, it's still sort of ambiguous, but if you go back to that, this is how we're going to measure it. It's up to the team to make sure your equipment's working, right? You know, just like those balls, you know, if a hole rubbed in them, well, you know, it's not their fault or not not the steward's fault, right? Um, if you rubbed, you know, a brake line and that went out, you would have lost the race. Right. If mm-hmm. you rubbed a tire, um, yeah, I mean, if you never changed your wheel bearings and one of those went out, right. Um, when you make the rules, uh, just more set in stone or easily measurable, um, you can put, put everything on the team, I guess is what I'm saying. Or you can say, hey, it's your responsibility. Yeah. He's rubbed. It's your fault. You're out. But as long as you're concerned about the spirit of the rules, you have to like take all that into account. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So yeah, I agree with that. I, I, it's if that was the case, if it did rub through one or more, I imagine. Uh, my understanding is usually the standard size is 
half gallon. Uh, maybe there's a one and a half gallon one. So it, it could have been, I'm, uh, you know, different companies might make different sizes. I, I'm just familiar with the ATL ones. Um, but, you know, if, if it was a, a one gallon one, then, you know, 0.6 off now, that can be close to the measurement error of their of their Huntsker fuel jug test. So, you know, you, you could be a lot closer than, and like you said, if, if it's just like a pinhole and as you're filling up really quickly in a pit stop, you can't really take advantage of that little extra, you know, that, that fuel that's entering that, that ball, then it's not really an advantage. Um, but, yeah, but ultimately if the rule says plus two and you're able to put more than that, then, you know, it's right. You can't blame it on champ car or the protester or anything like that. It's, it's on the team to, to make sure everything's running correctly and working correctly. Yeah. Um, I mean, a yeah, part I mean, failure could, at the same time. Yeah. There's go ahead. Yeah. There's, there's, I mean, there's, there's a lot of rules that, yeah, you could, you could say like in a, in a power capped series or a power to weight ratio series, if, something happened to your you know boost controller on your turbo car and you were running you know 10 pounds more boost than you were supposed to and it's like oh well my boost controller broke it's well you know that's not it's your fault for you, know, you should have fixed it or you know right yeah no i i agree you know, I, a part failure just because it helps you doesn't make it uh acceptable you know, um, most of the time part failures will take you out, but just like those are no one else's fault, um, and will end your race. One that makes you illegal and is still no one else's fault should be able to end your race just the same. Yeah. Yeah. And then. I think another argument that was meant was they had to change the bladder out and it it wasn't the same size as the one before it or, or something like that or, or this new bladder just didn't maybe have as many wrinkles in it or something or um again I think it's it's kind of the same thing you, you need to check it if you're if you're that close to the edge you need to make sure you're you're checking that and you know ensuring that um yeah you're meeting that you know, meeting that role that's in place. Um, yeah, I believe that's, I, that's, uh, I believe that's what happened to the Ford GT. Uh, it was, it's something similar where when they, when they measured it and, but you know, before the race and everything, they checked it, it, uh, it was one capacity. And then when it shipped and when they actually raced and everything got hot and, you know, things moved around a little bit, like some wrinkles kind of, remove themselves from the bladder and then you know when they finally went to measure it at the end of the race and post-tech inspection it was you know just a little bit over so um yeah i mean you just another thing you have to make sure is is right if there's a rule yeah, for it and I mean, if you're on the ragged edge of it basically yeah well and and that's essentially why we were um in impound um when it happened to us you know um that being said, I've, I've never heard of a 1.6 gallon discrepancy in a, a bag <laughs> moving. Uh, it's huge. But again, uh, how much do you get out of an eyeball Hunsaker jug measurement? Um, 
or how much air is there in one and then multiply that by four jugs, right? Um, cause presumably they'll have mm-hmm. had to fill it up four times plus, you know, maybe five. Um, so I've never seen something that huge, but, uh, that definitely happens, you know, and I've never seen a fuel system that was as difficult to, uh, predict or understand as the Porsches. Um, never, mm-hmm. I, I've never seen any other race car be that inconsistent. And I don't really understand how it was so inconsistent. Um, you know, eventually they had, um, a really good, uh, car chief who, who's still working on their cars. Um, but he's, he's very detail oriented. So he set the blocks in the same way every time. Um, you know, optimized their layout, um, you know, made some little stanchions to hold them in place so they can't shift. And it it was more repeatable. It, that whole fuel system on the Porsche is still a dumpster fire, in my humble opinion. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, that kept us in tech, um, you know, a couple hundred milliliters. Uh, what happens sometimes is you know those bladders get hot and they do relax or they expand um and then also for the pro race team uh you're using a different method to fill the car right um you know when you're in the, in the mm-hmm. paddock you have those five gallon uh atl jugs with the the plastic dry brake on them um but when you actually get down to the pits you have your fuel rig. Um, so that holds considerably mm-hmm. more fuel and they specify a, a fuel rig height just to control the pressure that teams can actually build with the fuel rig. Um, but that's mm-hmm. what we're trying to do, right? Is you put it up as high as you can. Um, and when you plug into the car, there's more pressure behind that fuel filling the car. Um, and mm-hmm. that bladder's hot the whole thing pushes out a little bit more. You can actually get a little more in the car. And that being said, you know, obviously you didn't get any of that benefit year when you first filled up. So before your first stop, uh, your first stint, you don't really Mm -hmm. see that benefit. Um, But then you come in, um, you know, after the race and we go to impound, they measure it. It's, you know, uh, just over, the legal limit and so you know for us that happened there's a lot of discussion things went on and on and on and on and on um and then eventually we remeasured because uh oh what's that word uh where it's like a cursory investigation i just want to see if they want to look into it um uh, appeal or something no that comes after uh, <laughs> I forgot. Um, but essentially the, the first fill they do at tech, um, at least for us is just, uh, to see if you're, you're close, if they really need to actually do it. Um, so then at the end of the day, we refilled the system and this time with everybody watching, uh, Teams who didn't want us to pass us, 
like every member of our team, <laughs> every member of IMSA Tech, right? And we're all like looking at that graduated cylinder real close. Um, <laughs> and we passed uh, when it happened the second time. And I think, you know, I mean, it's the desert. So by that time it was dark. Again, I was in impound for a very long time. Uh, and it was a lot colder. <laughs> and, you know, we filled the jugs or filled the vehicle with those, um, you know, five gallon jugs you use in, in the paddock. So that's, uh, it definitely has a difference. Not a 1.6 gallon difference, or at least I haven't seen one. But, you know, when people bring that up, it is a real thing anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was was the word you were looking for earlier audit? Yes. Okay. I just I just thought Damn, <laughs> finally. Yep. Audit. Audit's the word. Good job. <laughs> what do I win? Uh <laughs> so I'll, I'll give you half a butterfinger. Oh sweet. Yeah. Huh. But uh yeah, so end of the day uh i mean personally i'm i'm glad to see them enforcing the rules and you know doing due diligence and checking teams especially at an event like the national championship right it's mm-hmm. uh, ultimately the team that wins is going to be you know really representing your series as a whole and you want to make sure that you know they're they're meeting the rules cuz if they're not then it kind of puts a I'm sure a sour taste in a lot of teams, you know, mouth, uh, that did follow the rules and, and weren't able to win or maybe lost because of some of those discrepancies. And, um, you know, obviously the, the teams that benefit most are the ones that are in second and third that move up. Uh, so ultimately our bank racing won the championship. Um, uh, but, uh, but I think it also as a whole, as a, organization as a race series it, it it's good for you know the little guy to see that the you know the the big guys are are being held accountable and you know they feel like it's a level playing field um yeah no i i absolutely agree um you know uh i want to say again 1.6 gallons is a lot but um you know if there's one place where even if something was small and you were considering letting it go, the championship is not the race to do that at, you know, if there's one place to be really strict, um, to be tight on everything it's there. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I completely agree. Um, you know, I'm, I'm glad they did it. Glad they enforced it. And it is, as you said, um, great for the little guy to see, them holding these big teams accountable. Um, I did see yeah. someone again, the, these message boards are just a dumpster fire, but I've been bored. So, <laughs> um, I did see someone questioning, uh, why there's big teams in champ car. Um, and this seems to be a question that comes up fairly often, right? Uh, some people like racing against big teams, some people say it's not fair. You know, they don't have the, the competing budget. Um, so uh, I really have no comment on that situation. But I did want to 
bring up uh, one of the reasons why someone might be doing this, someone who can, you know, really well fund a team in Champ Car, why they'd be there and not in pro racing. Um, and this is something you and I have talked about a lot. And that's just really the, the yeah. cost change. Like, it's huge. I think people don't really understand how big it is uh, until you go racing. You know, remember when you bought a $500 car and you were, you know, for your first, uh, you know, lemons or chump car back then, right? And then you put all your safety equipment in it, everything you needed, bare minimum to just, you know, not be a complete dog and pony show. And now your $500 car is a $7,000 car, right? Mm-hmm. You, you remember that cost expansion? Just bring it up to a new car and, you know, blow it up from there, right? Like yeah. those Michelin slicks, it depends on the size, but they're 700 to $1,000 a tire, right? So yeah. if you have a two-hour <laughs> race... I mean, this is not the long races. You have a two-hour race. It means you have six to seven sets for the weekend. Boom, $24,000 in tires, right? <laughs> That's why, you know, some big spenders would be in Champ Car because, I mean, you can, you don't get the world's stickiest rubber. But outside of that, you know, your dollar goes much further. So... Yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean you'll and yeah, we've seen many teams, you know, like Salins, mm-hmm. they 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 ultimately do end up, you know, running faster cars and maybe faster series like AER, uh, but they still have their champ car cars that they bring because it's just it's racing's fun and more racing for less money is is fun. Mm-hmm. If anything it it lends more credibility to the race series that these big teams are, are willing, you know, that f- feel like the organization has run well enough and it's serious enough for them to want to come spend, you know, while less money, uh, but still spend their money, yeah. uh, you know, racing and, and, you know, and they want to try to win. And, uh, so I, I never, yeah, I've never had, had any ill feelings towards those big teams and only just if they start to try to bend the rules or, or blatantly, uh, you know, cheat the rules. Uh, that's that's when I have the problem. But I would have the same problem with any team cheating right. rules. So it doesn't matter how much money or how big or how big your toter home is that you bring to the track or whichever. Uh, if anything, I think it's uh, cool to to beat try to beat these teams uh, showing up with all that fancy equipment and you know paid pit crews and all that stuff and bring your car that you built in a two car garage and, you know, with your buddies and, and your crew is, you know, half your extended family and half just the, the people driving the car. So I don't know. It's, it's, uh, yeah, that, that, that's not as much of like, I, I, yeah, I'd, I'd rather, you know, overall, I think it doesn't really need to be added to this specific argument. Ultimately, you know, this team, didn't meet the rules. They got DQ'd. And I think, uh, you know, I think it's overall a, a good, you know, a good thing that, uh, that the rules are being enforced because in the past there's been some, and we've talked a little bit about it before, just some controversies of, you know, maybe teams not meeting the rules, maybe out of ignorance, but 
again, it's, you know, it should be your responsibility to, to, to read and understand the rules and any questions, ask them. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, ultimately in this case, it, you know, that the rules are meant, they were DQ'd and I think, uh, you know, it's a, it's a fitting response. So all the other drama, you know, that, that comes with it, you know, that's, I guess, neither here nor there, but, uh. <laughs> It's still fun to read, <laughs> that's for sure. But uh, but overall, I think I think the right decision was made, uh, and yeah, hopefully they can keep making the right decision in the future. Mm-hmm. So yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I think we I think we've said everything that really needs to be said on on that topic. Um, yeah, quite a few times. Uh, I guess I think we we beat that horse pretty dead. So. <laughs> so I guess one other thing we wanted to talk about uh, this episode was the the F one race last weekend at uh, Imola. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, had... great track, but uh, you know, as you know, I was on track. I saw things after the race, but why don't you tell me what happened at the F one race? Uh, yeah, so it was a it was a wet race, so that's always exciting. Wet races always usually tend to it, it can balance the field a little more and then also just adds this drying track factor to it in, in this case where it's doing the strategy of when do you put on the the slick tires and that kind of thing uh so it always makes for definitely some more interesting racing um so yeah hamilton was on pole a big surprise there <laughs> uh with uh, perez and and verstappen right behind him and yeah, Verstappen was able to get in the lead right off the right off the bat. Um, and uh, yeah, at that point, it was just kind of a, your typical F one race. I mean, some a lot of teams and cars slipping and sliding around and, and everything. But um, uh, but when it came time to switch to slicks, I forget it was before or after, but Hamilton uh, made a mistake and uh, slid off the road. Uh, damaged front wing, but he was able to get it going again. But yeah, um, what a fucking luck. miracle for that guy that he didn't get stuck. Yeah. <laughs> well, not only that, but uh, just as he's doing that, um, his teammate uh, Botas uh, got in a tussle with uh, uh, George Russell, and which caused a red flag. So uh, all the time, he basically lost a full lap from from sliding off the track and then having to come in and change his wing. But because of the red flag, he was able to get that lap back and then also basically refile into the pack with fresh tires. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, obviously overall it wasn't a big benefit to Mercedes because their second car got destroyed. Um, But uh, I guess ultimately uh, Verstappen ended up winning the race by quite a big margin. Uh, Hamilton was able to recover up to second. Uh, and then Landon Norris got third, but um, I guess the the a lot of the thing that most people were talking about, or at least a lot of people were talking about, was the George Russell Botas incident. Uh, and we just wanted to kind of talk a little bit about from a driver's perspective. Um, and so it was it was during a period where the track was still drying. Uh, there were some slick points, um, and it was at the highest speed portion of the track. Uh, George Russell had DRS and it was passing Botas, which 
I mean, is a little embarrassing for Botas already having to fight a Williams in his in his Mercedes. <laughs> uh, he was definitely struggling uh, <laughs> that race. I don't I don't know why he was struggling so much. He was in like eighth or ninth at the time. Yeah. Um. Uh, and then this was uh, potentially it could have been Williams's first point scoring endeavor in in several years. So because because at the time Russell was in the points, so it made it that much more I guess disappointing to a lot of people. But um, but basically uh, Russell's closing in on Botas at a pretty high rate of speed since he has DRS, well, you know, and. Uh, and yeah, it there's a kind of a kink in the in the straight mm-hmm. right before the first turn. I, I'm not sure if the kink is counted counted as a turn or not. Um, but there's a kink, and uh, Russell went to the outside of of Botas just as this kink is approaching. So Botas, while holding the left side, kind of it looked like he kind of moved right, but basically he just opened up the wheel a little bit to, to kind of move out, you know, towards the middle of the track, basically from the inside towards the middle and which pushed, pushed, pushed Russell towards the outside of that kink. Uh, ultimately he definitely left enough room. A lot of the, the slow motion analysis showed he, he left more than a car width. Um, but because of that kind of, I mean, it's such a high rate of speed, right? DRS is active. You can't make super, you know, tight turn corrections and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But uh, as Russell's coming around, he just just barely clips the grass on the outside, which immediately spins him right into the side of Botas, and it's a big crash. And uh, you know, and then they're both out of the race. So, kind of some of the arguments around it was like, just whose whose fault was that? Yeah. I think initially the announcers were like, Botas shouldn't have been, you know, shouldn't have made that, you know, shouldn't have pushed him out there. Um, ultimately, I think, you know, I think as a lot of times it's the passing driver's responsibility to make a safe pass. But, you know, Botas left enough room. So I, I don't know. It's. Yeah, I, I think it was just a racing incident, to be honest. Um, you know, if you uh if you look at a plan view of the track um botas just stayed on the racing line um i feel like it wasn't even an adjustment for him you know like a defensive move um you know as you mentioned he left plenty of room um and even then uh like I said, he, he was just on the race line. Um, so I don't, I certainly don't think it's his fault. Um, but you know, uh, Russell was making a pass. Um, he was out in the wet. I think it's when he's that close to Botas, it would be reasonable enough to assume he's not going to move over um to not be planning on making that correction right that he had to make which inevitably led to the the whole incident um but you know i mean at at the end of the day it you know this is a good example of it takes two to tango um but also both of them made decent racing decisions um so I, I think it's, uh, 
it's no one's fault or it's everyone's fault, right? Like either one of them could have said, no, I'm mm-hmm. going to wait. But that's not what they get paid for, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> so it's, and and as soon as you do that, especially in a scenario like that, where, you know, like Botas left room, right? Like a lot. Um, so if he hadn't <laughs> moved anywhere, then it would just be clear that he's a pushover to the rest of the field. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. At, at some point, you can't always be the cautious person because the field will understand that, you know, especially when you have so few drivers, um, you know, they're always, Mm -hmm. they always know who they're behind or who they're passing, who's behind them. Um, and as soon as you develop their reputation for being soft, you're sort of done, you know? Um, yeah. So, I mean, really, I, yeah, it's, it's weird, you know, because it's kind of both their faults, but really, they also both made the right decision. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, which, yeah, it's just kind of the definition of a racing incident, right? Mm-hmm. In, in some ways. Yeah, I I agree. I, I think, yeah, if Botas gives him a bit more room, knowing the conditions, uh, then he could have made the pass, you know without trouble but then of course he's you know his botas getting passed by you know the guy who's trying to get his seat basically right. <laughs> yeah pretty much um <laughs> and uh and then if 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 uh russell doesn't make try to make the move and he ends up getting 11th and doesn't get the points then he's going to be super disappointed that he didn't make mm-hmm. that move uh so yeah, it's just, you know, tough conditions, slippery track, uh, and uh, combined with just really high-speed pass. I mean, they were going probably like 200 miles an hour at that point, I, I think, Maybe, if not a little short of that. But, um, I mean, it, to make a decision and reaction that fast is, is going to be difficult for the at, the at the best of times. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, and then slicks so on yeah, I mean, wet-ish track. Just forget it. Yeah. You know. Exactly. So like if if I mean the conditions were bad enough for Hamilton to make kind of a mistake, you know, for the first time I've seen in a while. So it's like if if even Hamilton's screwing up in these conditions, it it can't be ideal. Um you know, it's it's not surprising to see Maza spin to make a couple of spins hey. out there. But uh hey. you know, even the top drivers are you know, Verstappen almost freaking put it in in the wall just on the warm-up lap because he's trying to warm up his tires uh, during the, the red flag restart. So it's like everyone was making mistakes. Mm-hmm. It was tough conditions. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, I do. Yeah, I do agree that I, I think it's racing incident. Both of them could have done something better to, to avoid crashing into each other. But ultimately they both made, like you said, kind of the right decision overall, but it's just led to it. Like, in long term, maybe right decision, but short term, uh, definitely not the right decision. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely everyone was a loser on that one uh, immediately, but, you know, uh, yeah. Just how's it look if you're not 
making trying to make a pass when you have plenty of room or if you're not trying to defend it's um yeah I don't know. It sucks but um yeah you know whatever and I, something i do think is interesting though is if you switch the names of the drivers how many people would be upset about it right if you said <laughs> um you know, if you just took the color off the cars or whatever, you couldn't tell both of them. You just switched their places. How many people would be upset at Russell for moving over? I think probably more. Um, yeah. But I guess just for a sanity check to make sure, you know, you're being fair, uh, consider that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a good good way to look at it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think I think overall the biggest loser was Russell ultimately because I think he got out of the car and he like I, at first I thought he was going to make sure Botas was okay, but I think he was just like yelling at him and then he like slapped the side of the car or whatever and and walked away. Yeah, it looked like he was so yelling like, at him and Botas gave him the middle finger and then he slapped him or the car. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you know it's not the best look for a driver that's trying to move move up in the world right um yeah i mean so that, uh today that guy who was in the cart uh was it today it might have been yesterday but the guy who was in the cart uh a year ago two years ago now who lost his temper and threw a bumper at a, another guy driving on track and then tried to get in a fist fight after has been banned for 15 years. So there's yeah. a good time to be talking about driver images. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, I mean, you gotta be careful. Uh, and, and even with the, you know, talk about the champ card disqualification, like, some some race series if you get caught like that they might you know ban you for you know multiple events or something like that right mm -hmm. like especially with the whole engine not being the right one thing that one's <laughs> a little more egregious yeah um, um but i think especially a, a second thing after that first one they'd be a little mm -hmm. uh irritated probably yeah so it's it, you know just because you're on track doesn't mean, you know, the rules of the world don't apply to you or laws or anything like that. Um, you know, it's, it's, you can get really, you know, it's easy to get really heated in these moments, but it's definitely, uh, it's good to just try to think it through before you, you go crazy on someone <laughs> just because of a racing incident or something like that. But right. not to say that, Russell's reaction was super un unwarranted or anything. I mean, you know, obviously super high adrenaline. You just got in a crash and, you know, by your eye, you think that he moved over on you and you crashed because of it. And Oh, yeah. I mean, especially know. like, you know, you're guesstimating they're doing about 200 miles an hour. Um, wrecking at that speed, you lost some adrenaline going, you know. It's, yeah. I think that reaction is totally understandable. Um the wrong answer, but I get it. You know, mm -hmm. like yeah, holding nothing. Yeah, maybe maybe more. 
uh, maybe more work it out after the fact right mm-hmm. like that that's would be my best advice but yeah but i think ultimately i think he apologized for for everything so you know but Boo. what internet apologies whatever <laughs> give me no apologies uh, <laughs> so uh, that, that apology is just like please don't cut my contract when i finally get that mercedes <laughs> right. offer just, i'm sorry <laughs> can i drive the car now <laughs> yeah i'm sure like any other team if it was like ferrari or something it'd be like screw you <laughs> it's like oh uh, Please, Daddy, <laughs> Mercedes, Daddy, uh, Mr. Wolf. I'm sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. And there's, I'm sure there's. You know, Russell's all pumped because he's he's thinking he's gonna get his first points of his career, or I guess not of his career, of his of his Williams career. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, you know, there's just there's a lot on the line. He's he's passing his like main you know rival for the seat and all that. So it's it's it made it it's, that much more right. heated. A lot of pressure, so. you know, right in that event. So, no, I I get yeah. it. Yeah. So, but I think that kind of does it for this episode. Um, uh, you know. Uh, as always, uh, make sure to check us out on our, our social medias. Uh, we'll probably be, uh, uh, this one will obviously be going up on, on this Wednesday and, uh, maybe we'll also post it out to some of the, the champ card uh, areas just to, you know, since it's a little specific to them this, uh, this week. So yeah. keep an eye out for that. Um, but yeah, but also, uh, directly, it's always, if you want the latest news and episode release and all that, just go to our Facebook or Instagram at Motorsports Tech Talk. Um, but, uh, but once again, uh, thanks again for sticking with us for this long, and uh, we hope to talk to you guys again soon. See you.